0: Welcome to the I'm a Health Visitor podcast. We want to help health visitors stay up to date, so we're here to give evidence-based information and insight into relevant practice issues. We're currently supported by the CPHVA Education Development Trust, McQueen Bursary. Hello, it's Jenny here. And hello, it's Amy here. Um, and we are bringing you today um, an interview with the rather amazing Alison Spiro. This very impressive person. Uh, she is very cool. Um, Amy now has a clear idea of who she'd like to be when she grows up. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's amazing. But, oh, she's brilliant. And um, she has got a book out at the moment. Um, I've lost the title of book because I've closed the window, you might want to. It is called some... Breastfeeding for Public Health, a resource for community
1: healthcare professionals. So, um, and we're going to discuss it anyway, but um, she shares loads of really useful information and tips from her book and um, some talk, really interesting conversation we had about some really interesting themes
0: around breastfeeding. So hopefully yeah, everybody um... enjoys the episode. Oh definitely, definitely. Um, Alison's had such an interesting background that we sort of tap into a bit and um, has done so much. Um, I think she's so inspiring um, Mm -hmm. and just has so much to say and we could have chatted to her for much longer (laughs) but um, enjoy and let us know what you think. Alison, thank you so much for joining us on the I'm a Health Visitor podcast.
2: Would you would you like to introduce yourself, Alison? Yes, well, thank you for inviting me. It's a great opportunity to speak to health visitors. Um, um, thank you so yes, much for I, coming. I, oh, that's, that's all right, <laughs> yes. So I started my journey as a health visitor um, before I had my first child, and I was quite interested right from the beginning in why women stop breastfeeding so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I'd had my first child, I trained as an NCT breastfeeding counsellor while I was on maternity leave and worked as a, a, a volunteer counsellor and um, train. and I started training um, student counsellors and I became a national tutor as well. And then wow, really when cool. I went, I, I took a career break when my children were little. And then um, I, after seven years, I went back to health visiting. And then I felt that, I, you know, much more confident about breastfeeding and the importance of health visitors supporting parents with yeah. breastfeeding. Hmm. Um, then... Um, uh, sorry, it's quite a long story. No, you've done oh, no, so much. Well. Then, no no <laughs> then, then, then I worked then. as a generic health visitor in a North London borough, and I um, was always f- very uh, interested in supporting parents and ran support groups in breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And then I became recognised as a specialist health visitor in, through Agenda for Change and then worked as a specialist health visitor and uh, organized a lot more groups for mothers to join in and then um i did a i decided to go slightly sideways and do a degree in anthropology i started doing a master's in medical anthropology um just to see if i could understand a bit more what was you know what was happening that it just didn't seem that straightforward so That's brilliant. I found that absolutely fascinating, and I and I did my my dissertation for that in this borough, um, interviewing mothers from um, Indian um, origins,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: I found that so exciting, and there was yeah. so much information coming that I decided to pursue that into a PhD after that.
0: Amazing! So Fantastic. I worked,
2: I got a Florence Nightingale scholarship and went to India. I did quite a lot of my field work there, so it was it was wow. it wasn't a direct comparison with England and India, but um, it was you know one informing the other. Sure. A- yeah. And that so sounds that fascinating. Was, that what a was, brilliant compliment to your work. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. And then after that, professionally, I, I was seconded to the hospital, um, the local hospital, uh, and so I sort of did two full time jobs really, working in the hospital and the community as infant feeding lead. And get, wow. and getting them yeah. both to become baby friendly accredited, and that <laughs> is a big yeah, challenge, I should think, even yeah. doing
0: either hospital or community, but to try and or to have the role of doing both is definitely two full time yeah. jobs
2: but what i what I did and i and I think it was a useful model was that I brought together the midwives and the health visitors and other workers um to train together. Mm-hmm. And then they got yeah. a mutual understanding of each other's roles. And mm. I think that helped with communication between the yeah. two, because I think too often we work in our own silos, don't we? And Yeah,
1: Definitely. that's a good idea. Well,
2: and I think it's something
0: which is even more of a challenge now where often hospital and community are in different trusts mm-hmm. and different organisations. Yeah. Yeah. Getting that into communication yeah. is so yeah. tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so I I mean you're literally with different computer
2: systems almost talking completely different languages to yeah, each other absolutely. at times. Yeah. Well I think that was going on then, but also I think it was um yeah, we were different trusts. Mm. But I think I think just doing the breastfeeding training was common ground and yeah. it made everybody yeah. it's a great idea. understand understand much more. I mean I had to do that. I couldn't have done it otherwise. No (laughs) I had to do them jointly (laughs) because I wouldn't have had time. Definitely.
0: No, exactly. You'd needed um like a time turner like Uh, Hermione has in Harry
2: Potter. (laughs) (laughs) I also found that peer support was amazing. Um and so we trained peer supporters in the community and at one time we had over twenty peer supporters um Marvelous. speaking wow. speaking twenty different languages. Wow. Blimey. So this was brilliant because we could do outreach with work with different communities. Yeah. Um and we got some money, we had some paid peer supporters working in the hospital.
0: Fabulous. Um I was gonna say that becomes the tricky part with retaining peer yeah, supporters, isn't yeah, it? Because yeah. You're expecting them to be able to yeah. do this for free at time a yeah. lot of the time, and a lot of people just don't have that. Kind no, of opportunity, or they. So. And,
2: and you know, peer supporters usually have young children, so if the children yeah. children were ill, they weren't able to come into to the hospital. So, Actually, I'm just thinking, I'm I'm just realising something. Marries up with someone I've had.
0: Papers, what it, would Kath, do you know katherine Stan? she
2: was one of my first peer supporters <laughs> right that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah she in worked yeah she 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 and i worked together she, uh for 10 years in a support group um and wow, that, uh, and she she was amazing and i've yeah. you know, learned so much about twins and multiples from her Yes. Oh. No. Same here. Well, funny yes. enough,
0: she's been a podcast guest previously. Oh, has she? So, oh, well, yes, right. She didn't yeah. tell me that. We only have the best guests
1: here, you know. We only have the exactly.
2: best quality. Well, exactly. she she helped me facilitate my book launch on on uh, Facebook. So. Nice. No, <laughs>
0: fantastic.
2: Yeah. No. No. She's she's fantastic. I say Freak. it's a
0: small
1: world
2: isn't It is a small world, <laughs> absolutely So
1: where then then from your so you had your peer support peer support service running and you, you've BFI, BFI accredited a hospital and a community that feels like enough but I know that there's more <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well well, yes I mean I, I, I think um, I that was, that was my last job while I was working in both trusts and then I retired my son moved to Australia and that was that was what triggered me to to actually retire um as a health visitor mm. and I really missed it and I missed my colleagues yeah, I, <laughs> I used yes. to love love yeah. our, our chats and you know and support we gave each other um but I needed to go to Australia to see my son and I and it wouldn't fit in with annual leave <laughs> no because <laughs> you can't just no. go for two weeks I mean no. you go that far no yeah so that's <laughs> and since then I've been working as a volunteer um, I work in um, a support group as a volunteer I help to train peer supporters I, I work on some national organization like the baby feeding law group and um the breastfeeding alliance, the new alliance that's being set up and I was ah. and I was um advisor, professional advisor to the IHV um until recently. Um oh and God. I've now handed that over to Gail Barker.
0: Brilliant.
2: Lovely.
0: Wow. <laughs> so much. And I saw as well, um, something that did leap out at me as well, was um, that you'd worked on the World Breastfeeding Trends Report back in 2015. Yes. and I mean, because that is just such an amazing... Really useful. Um, ...document. So I've mm. often referred to in um, essays and studying and things, and just seeing that on paper, the, the breadth and range of different um, qualifications and levels of experience and knowledge that different... Um, professions and um sort of peer supporters IBCRCs have. It's just amazing. Yeah. Um and it just it it's sort of a really useful document just to see how much is out there mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. for sort of support mm-hmm.
2: for families, yeah. for parents yeah. and for professionals as well. Yeah. No, it's it's a very useful resource I think for you know to look at what the situation is in the UK as far as breastfeeding support. Mm. And yeah. information, and you know the international yes. code and all of that. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. really useful. Can... I I also yeah. I also worked on the becoming breastfeeding friendly program. The Yale University uh-huh. um, worked with Public Health England. Um, Sally Kendall on Kent University led that. Okay. And um, we produced a report and recommendations. Which and I was on the u k committee as well, and Scotland and Wales um, were amazing and launched their, their report and, and used all the recommendations, implemented the recommendations that England has been left <laughs> behind england no. didn't yeah. didn't implement the recommendations, which is such a pity. Yeah, really yeah after so much hard
0: work from you all as well yes
2: it's um well sally it's galling. yeah sally kendall's team were amazing they did so much research around the country um and i know that she's publishing papers on it so hopefully we can read more about that
0: definitely
2: definitely
1: and obviously you've got your book as well I to say. Yeah, this is Just my little detail of Yeah, book. this
2: the, the, yeah, this was my 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 lock well you can't see it. This is my lockdown project. <laughs> I had to keep keep my brain active.
0: I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so random, very good random. way of keeping <laughs> you brain active. So so this is um breastfeeding for public health um a resource for community healthcare professionals which is it's out in hardback and paperback isn't it there's yes. two options and and so, an
2: ebook as well
0: yeah oh, fantastic. Fantastic. yeah yeah I was gonna say I'm I we I, 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 I mean, were talking about. How technically minded we are, even with doing podcasting and things. I managed to download the sample onto my Kindle. I could not work out how to get the whole book downloaded. So I'm like, oh dear! <laughs> I'm looking out. I'm looking forward to getting my paper copy asap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. But yes, yeah, so it was, so and had you had a plan for the book before lockdown, or was it lockdown then? As you just said, made meant you needed something to a project to keep your brain busy.
2: Um I think it's always been in the back of my mind mm. um to to share you know my experiences I and mean, it's written from my own point of view, and it's a dialogue between me and health visitors um Excellent. so it, i write oh. write it in the first person and i've I've tried to make it make it as accessible as possible by dividing it up into various um, questions um, mm. so that, you know, if you wanted to look up something, for example, on mastitis, you could look at, you could find that easily. So it's going, it's That's supposed great. to be um, a resource for health visitors that they can use, they can have in their bags. And mm. um, colleagues already are telling me that they're using, because i got lots of photos on different positions for breastfeeding, especially oh, for babies wonderful. who are finding it hard to latch. And colleagues have told me already that they're sharing, they're taking the book with them and showing the mother the photograph and then Great. trying different Fantastic. positions with them. And um, also I've, I've had amazing um, infographics from various people, including Catherine, <laughs> which I've oh. put in the book as well. Excellent. I was to say, yeah,
0: Catherine is a whiz at doing some good graphics. Yes. Um, <laughs> if anyone doesn't follow her on Instagram already, she is well worth visiting. Yes. <laughs> queen of the clear infographics. Yes. yeah yeah <laughs> Jen loves an infographic as well Our lesson; yeah. she's a big oh, infographic well. there's plenty um, of them oh. in the book <laughs> excellent else say else I'm a 30. very visual learner um I'm sure that's probably why I've ended up doing um you know working on focusing on breastfeeding support myself because it's that very visual way of learning and explaining mm-hmm. and things so yeah it completely plays into my strengths yeah um and it's just amazing what you said about how the breadth of what you cover yes. is brilliant. Because I know you get some books that are very much um, sort of policy-minded and looking at very much from the point of view of, you know, the, these are the sorts of things you need to wave in front, under the nose of your commissioners. And you get books that are the more practical side, but it sounds like your book manages to, to cross the divide and actually cover everything in, terms in of, the one yeah. the one book, which is brilliant.
2: Yeah, well... I I suppose that's yeah that is the case. I mean I I wanted to give yeah set the scene and but also give um, practitioners practical support mm. and information and and then make them think a bit more by by talking a bit more about culture and anthropology towards the end. Yes. Um, yes, we haven't.
1: Yeah, yeah, we haven't really dug into that, but that's you've got a chapter on um anthropological perspective as well, haven't yes, you? In your book?
2: Yes. Yes. Yes, um, which is, is looking at things in a, in a different way um, because I think breastfeeding is quite a complex subject because um, it's, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's just a biological act, isn't it? Um, mm. you could you could just substitute the breast for the bottle and that'll work and mm-hmm. we know that that doesn't yeah. happen <laughs> not quite that simple no. yeah no but it's so immeshed in the social and cultural um milieu of mothers yes um that it isn't just a personal act it's it's we are we are part of our societies and cultures which we've built up over, you know, generations. Yeah. yeah.
0: Have you found that there were skills that you developed doing your anthropology that you've brought more into your sort of your health listening practice, your volunteering and things, and things that may be ways that you look at situations that you wouldn't have done
2: before you did your anthropology? Um, oh, definitely. Definitely. It's made a huge I- impact on me um, because... I can, I can understand the importance of women's traditions and cultures and why women might follow certain paths. Mm. Um, certainly from an Indian perspective, I studied a lot about uh, intergener- intergenerational um, influences and attitudes and learned a lot about how grandmothers take a major role in, in caring for the baby. Mm. and how important that is in Mm. it you know for for the mothers and some I think health professionals may think oh they don't follow my advice they just follow their mothers Mm. but we know that that's part of their culture and we and we need to respect that
0: absolutely
2: yeah
0: Um, it's interesting because I think in a way I can half imagine some people and I know when I've yeah we've seen things before about I think it's very difficult um sometimes for British people to feel that they have got a culture and they have got anything like that going on when actually we know in our practice that fa- you know it is that similar thing where the intergenerational um factors do play a big part mm. within families yeah. and of what they've experienced as well as what expectations are within the families mm. um it's yeah it's a, it's a really good point to sort of have a yeah you know, be aware of that wider situation. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. It's interesting because you often think I think of
1: like seeing the you know the parent and the baby on their own almost and that can be like a goal sometimes because you know you want to have oh. some of those more sensitive conversations and you don't always know what's appropriate to discuss with other people around so I think you can yeah. think of that dyad as I need to speak to them independently and almost forget that actually in their day-to-day life they're part of this huge enmeshed system of um social relationships and they're embedded within that family life so actually you have to understand that as well don't you
2: you do yes yes yeah. I mean I, I remember as an example and this isn't this isn't actually breastfeeding but in the hospital we had Indian mothers who, who, who just had their second or third babies mm-hmm. and when it was suggested that they bathed the baby they didn't know how to do it mm. because their mothers had always done it mm. or their mothers-in-law yeah. they actually yeah. didn't know how to bath the baby no, gosh. Um, so you know they, they play a major role, and yeah, um, we need to respect that and, and work with it. Definitely. And some of the um, yeah, some of the research that's been done into the influence of grandmothers and breastfeeding in Bristol um, showed that. Well, this is Jenny Ingram's research. showed that when um, you involve the grandmothers antenatally in discussions about breastfeeding. That women are more likely to breastfeed exclusively
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: because very often they give extra water or honey to their babies and you know these these sorts of practices can be discussed antenatally so that improves the mm-hmm. outcomes for women and babies mm, yeah and that discussion I suppose
1: feeds into another one of the the things that you've emphasized in your book around communication and having those kind of sensitive communication and therapeutic communication skills I guess that we use for other areas of health visiting and how important that is with with breastfeeding yes
2: I think communications uh, communication with uh, mothers and families and partners is so important Um, and the thing that can, uh, always concerns me about health visitors is that they don't debrief their own experiences mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think student student health visitors or, or practicing health visitors mm-hmm. need time to think about what happened to them
1: mm-hmm. and, yeah.
2: and basically put that into the back of their minds I learned this through training um, breastfeeding counselors really that your experiences are not relevant to that woman Mm -hmm. yeah you need to focus on what she's telling you and listen and be non-judgmental and empathize with what she's saying Mm. um yeah and don't think you know oh i did that so that must be the way forward it's it's, it's not Mm.
0: no it's interesting because we know i think i i know i'm thinking of colleagues i've worked with before or families who've told me of experiences they've had where um you know, the value of breastfeeding has seemed to be sort of derided by the professionals you're expecting to support. Mm. Um, and you yeah, I know of yeah, I know of mothers who've been told by a midwife, well, breastfeeding's not the be all on end all. You know, I didn't breastfeed either of my two, and they're fine. Oh, yeah, it kind of reminds me of Amy Brown's work around um, breastfeeding,
1: grief, and trauma, and how yeah. that yes. can be transmitted down through. From person to person, you know, one person has an experience of breastfeeding and feels like a failure, internalizes that guilt and that failure and that narrative that, oh, it doesn't actually matter that much because that's what somebody said to them. And then instead of being able to have the space to really empathically listen to somebody else, that is then transmitted forwards um, as a narrative. Um, in yeah. in an attempt to be helpful you know um, and really trying yeah. to support that person and, and help them but actually then just passes that forwards and then that person doesn't have a chance to process what's happened yeah. and really feel it's their okay. feelings so I think that's such an important point that you make Alison because we are all humans as well aren't we as health visitors and, and professionals oh. we're all humans too we all have our own experiences yeah. and we have yeah. to recognize the impact that has on our
2: feelings yeah. process it yes. and then so, yeah. yeah so just having an opportunity to become a bit more self-aware mm. and um I, yeah I've, I've got a very nice exercise that i use with professionals called a timeline i don't know whether you've seen that used mm, where never. you go through your life experiences you write it down so it's a bit like cognitive behavioral therapy really in mm. some ways you write down your life experiences of breastfeeding. So what happened to you as a child? Were you breastfed? Were your siblings breastfed? Mm. Going through your life mm. and then professional training mm. um, and then, you know, in your practice at the moment. So you, you, you spend your time usually in pairs writing down your, your own personal timeline and then you can share it with your colleague. Um, but it seems to be a very good way of just becoming a bit more self-aware. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, because we all so we all think we don't need to do that. We think, oh yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna oh, yeah, uh, use yeah, my yeah. own experiences. But an awful lot, I've you know, I heard colleagues all the time using their experiences. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. it feels tempting. You know, I can see why people do because sometimes in the moment, you know, if you've experienced something similar to what the person's saying, it does feel tempting in that moment. To share yeah. your well, own, and you have yeah. to kind I mean, of sense uh, yourself sometimes, don't you?
2: Yeah, but occasionally it it can be helpful. Um, self self disclosure can be helpful sometimes, mm. but but uh, generally it interferes with the whole um, you know person centered um, counselling mm. approach. Mm. Yeah. Because you're not putting what that person is saying to you at
1: the centre of no. No, your no, response you're putting no. your yeah. own experiences at the center yeah. of your response is is yeah. that am yeah, I absolutely. understanding that right
0: no exactly and it also where I mean I think it also happens where there's so many who end up working in breastfeeding support and I put myself in this category as well who are there because of having had challenges when they were breastfeeding mm-hmm. themselves yeah and so it's that interesting thing of actually you know when you get to the point where you don't need to talk about your own experiences because actually you've worked through and you've dealt with yeah, yeah, of that. Yeah. that. And your fo- my focus is on the the families that I see now and working with them. Yeah. And it's interesting how sometimes I think families do directly ask, "Oh, you know, did you know how was it for you?" Kind of thing. Yeah. And if they ask directly and everything, then I I will explain. Oh, yeah, you know, I did face yeah. challenges, yeah. but you know, it's always that. The clearer focus is more on them. It's like to mm. me, it's a by the by. But you know, I'm now here and I'm with you, and
2: this is the current yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Um, Yes, yes, agreed. Families that... often ask if have you got children and did you breastfeed. Yes, they do. Oh, yeah, yeah. yes,
0: and yeah, yeah.
2: You you need to answer that, but not go into detail. I think.
0: <laughs> no, I think exactly. it's well. I actually, I actually had it once when I worked years back when I worked in A and E um in Children's A and I had this mum come in once and I could tell she was just completely in fight or flight and nothing was quite going in because she was not in the right place and doing everything we could for her son and it wasn't in it was that thing where I think her son was actually very well, you yeah, I remember I triaged them and they were going to go into the waiting room. Mm. And I just remember her turning round and just going, Well, you yeah, know, what do you have? You got children yourself? Mm. And I just found myself going, Well, yes, I have. I didn't at that point, but I knew that I just needed to get her over that hurdle Connect. and then yeah. she would actually calm down and start to listen and take on board what I was saying. Mm. And it worked and, you know, and she calmed down and we then had a constructive conversation and I could see her sort of shoulders dropping and relaxing. Mm. And it was funny, it's the only time I I did that, the only time I lied. Yeah. (laughs) But there were. I could just see it just, there was going no more constructive communication until I could just put that to bed and then... It's interesting (laughs)
1: you say that because I was thinking... um... As you were talking, Alison, about how that can be kind of seeking out that connection, isn't it? And it's all part of that relationship building, that therapeutic relationship yeah. that you hopefully build with the families that you work with. And um, yeah. and, and perhaps that, that asking, have you got children yourself, is a way of nurturing that connection between you or finding some kind yeah. of yeah. common yeah. ground yeah. and building a relationship.
0: Um, it is interesting because also having you know, subsequently become a parent... There are times, sometimes when I've had dealings with with nurses, with doctors, where that thought does leak into my head, and I do end up thinking at times, "Have you a children yourself?" Because it does change mm. you significantly when you're when you're literally there mm. on the other side of it with your child. Mm, yeah. Um. It can suddenly, and it comes down to those communication skills. So sometimes it can feel like someone's not quite connecting with you, not quite. Hearing what you're trying mm, yeah, to say and yeah. what your worries are, and not really answering those. Yeah. Um, yeah. And well,
2: know it's it's really interesting how um, everything interplays. Yeah, and breastfeeding is such an emotive subject too. Um, that you know, if Absolutely. you if it triggers off negative experiences, then that professional oh, thanks, yes. can be, you know, really not supportive to the families she's meeting mm, or he's meeting. No. Mm. Absolutely. No.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's an important point, actually, and kind of leads on to, because you also mentioned mental health when we were kind of chatting before and um, yes. how those two things are linked. So, you know, it's just reminding me of what you said about that. Um, and clearly we know that breastfeeding is such an emotional journey, isn't it? And the the infant's emotions, the mum's emotions, or the parents' emotions, I should say, come into that so massively. It's Absolutely. hard to pull apart in, in such complex relationships between those emotions.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I, I learned quite a lot during the chapter on mental health because I didn't realise that the evidence was so strong about the protective element of breastfeeding um, yeah. and how, you know, if when mothers breastfeed and they have that close relationship with their babies, it also protects the baby's mental health and the father's or partner's mental health mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that's important that we we don't leave them out of the um Absolutely. the picture as well no i mean it's that one you often see
0: these days about you know happy mum happy baby but there never seems to be much into, well, what will make the mum happy, oh. um, it almost feels like it's often used as an, as a, a, oh, well, it doesn't matter how the baby's fed. But actually, to a lot of mums, it really does.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And um, to a lot of mums, they're not going to be happy just because... And if I, and then there's the impact even that stopping breastfeeding can have hormonally. Yeah. And so many mums don't realise that, you know, even mums who've fed for really you know a long time you know sort of have almost gone to natural term weaning Mm -hmm. and they still have that that sensation of that drop in hormones and
2: yeah yeah, those things
0: and often without warning it seems
2: yeah I do I do look at that uh, at the at the sort of physiological changes as well and and Kathy Kendall Tackett's work on that which is, oh, fascin- which is fascinating, yeah. isn't it? Because, mm, yeah, yeah there, there are physiological changes as well as psychological changes. Mm. Um, and I think it's just, just so important that, that um, breastfeed, we support parents with breastfeeding, even mothers who are depressed mm, or even mothers that. who are psychotic, if we can support them, uh, e- even through hospital admissions, to carry on mm, yes. breastfeeding it will help them recover and I've mm, got quite yeah. my I haven't really said this but the book is full of quotes from mothers oh, brilliant. Um, at, and I've got a very powerful quote of a mother who has had quite serious mental health issues and how she found that breastfeeding has helped her enormously come to term with terms with a lot of her um, her problems mm. and yeah. you know that it ha- it can actually have that very positive effect on mental health mm. yeah
0: oh I know having seen um, uh, oh god I've gone blank on her name it might be Eve Cannon I've oh is it can I, can I, Eve Cannon again is it yeah mm-hmm. oh, something like that but I remember her and she's, she gave her um, experience postpartum psychosis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she said about, I remember her how breastfeeding, it felt like it was the only thing that she could do for her baby and the only thing that she was doing right. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. The, the power of that was it yeah. sort of cannot be uh, diminished or underplayed. And the only thing yeah.
1: that, was, that was, I've heard that same talk, actually, I think. She, she's a very powerful speaker. And she, she also, I think, spoke about how it felt like the only thing that she was the only person that could do it. Nobody could replace her on that, you know. So that felt really protective and important. I think it's easy sometimes, isn't it, um, for professionals to see a parent who's struggling with breastfeeding and perhaps is really trying incredibly hard and maybe going through a lot of pain and a lot of sleeplessness and a lot of um, really difficult stress in their attempt to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. And it can feel sometimes, I think, like stopping breastfeeding is the answer. But, and it may be for that mum if that is what she wants to do. But if if she's doing all of that in an attempt to breastfeed, she clearly cares very deeply about breastfeeding and really wants it to succeed. So um, I think we forget sometimes the emotional impact of having stopped on that
2: person might also be significant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really important that I think, and that's um, because our our breastfeeding experiences stay with us for all our lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm I know that in social contexts, I'm always really worried about saying what I do, because um, you know even women who'd had you know negative experiences fifty years ago mm. will still be you know suffering from that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah and some will feel quite angry about it and it's such an emotive subject
0: mm. yeah yeah
2: it's interesting i moved out of london
0: um nearly two years ago and so have almost like, started again making new friendship circles and the amount of times guys who who sort of when they learn what i do the amount of friends I've made who have been like, Oh my god, if only I knew you eight years yeah. ago, <laughs> ten years ago, <laughs> you yeah. know. And it is that thing where it does it it's interesting how much it stays with them and actually making this new set of friends has really shown for so many how it's it's not that far under the surface. No, it's for not for all of them. No. It's still a very um a very
2: definite, clear feeling that
0: they have mm. and mm.
2: uh Yeah sort of
0: yeah
2: yeah well I think I think I emphasize in the book um that um health visitors aren't supposed to be experts on breastfeeding Mm. they need to have contact with other specialists in Mm. their team and I think that's important too because this book is not going to make you know health visitors experts in breastfeeding this is Mm. going to give give them the knowledge to to start to support parents starting breastfeeding but if the problems are complex they need to be able to refer them or signpost them to other services which can yes. help them yes yeah, so it's really important yeah. to have that specialist pathway mm. in place yeah. as well yeah
0: yeah yeah Um, i heard a lovely um phrase yeah that was really um i think it was on social media and it might have been shell banks responding to someone And I love the phrase that she used. She talked about someone having, it sounds like the the health visitor has reached the edge of their knowledge Mm. or the edge of their understanding. Mm. And hopefully they're going to be able to refer you on to someone else. And because I know I've talked a lot myself about the sort of the the, the known knowns and the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. (laughs) And it does feel at times like there are a lot of unknown unknowns for health visitors and midwives that if they realised, even if they realised that they didn't know that, but that there were others who did know that, yeah. it would be so helpful to just have yeah. that kind of feeling of, yeah. oh, this isn't, this isn't the end, I can see a bit beyond there, it's just very hazy. Yeah, you know?
2: yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, in an ideal world, um, hopefully maybe the new family hubs will help, will we'll have peer support and... Um, breastfeeding counsellors and IBCLCs all working together. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? That would re- yeah. really, really be good. Uh, because I think integrated care is is really important.
1: Exactly. Definitely. Exactly. If we could
2: make wave the exactly- magic
1: wand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it be well, lovely?
1: <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I can't believe that having written the book and everything, you're then... Resting back and doing nothing. Other <laughs> what have you got? <laughs> yeah. What have you got going on
2: at the moment? Oh, um, what am I doing at the moment? Um, I'm helping to do a report for London on breastfeeding, with the I with the IHV. They asked me to uh-huh. do that. Um, the other things I'm doing, I'm co-editing um, a an edition of um Frontiers in Sociology. A special oh, edition on, on breastfeeding, <laughs> which wow. is supposed oh, to be um, published um, at the time of um, World Breastfeeding Week in August. Wow, lovely! Um, and we're trying to get papers from all over the world. Um, it's it's quite it's quite difficult. Well, front That's front amazing. frontiers in sociology uh, is just an incredible online um, resource. Yes. <laughs> I don't know whether yeah. you you know yes. frontiers. Yes. But um, it's open access, Yeah. so yeah, let's hope it works. But I'm doing it with a professor in, in um, the Open University, so hopefully she knows more than I do about it. Oh, well, that <laughs> sounds it's absolutely fun.
0: brilliant. That would be marvellous, wouldn't it? I was going to say, I mean, it's that thing where, um, yeah, breastfeeding and sociology are sort of always two of my favourite things coming <laughs> together in one. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I can imagine it would be really interesting getting that international perspective because I should think the challenges do vary internationally it'd be really interesting to see where some you know some areas where they have challenges you wouldn't even imagine having in the UK and I should think there's a lot of places internationally that look at the challenges the UK have and they're like well why is that yeah I mean it's that thing where I know I know within the UK we have this professional curiosity as to why are our rates so much lower Mm. but internationally are there are there researchers who come to the uk and examine why our rates are lower and then report back or yeah. is it because I, their rates are higher they're like well, don't worry about that we're
2: sorted over here <laughs> no and um i used to be part i used to teach on um an international program for doctors at the institute of child health on breastfeeding and doctors coming from all over the world used to look at our rates and look and look at things like why are mothers getting sore nipples in the uk why are they we don't see sore nipples sore nipples (laughs) very much us probably imitating bottle feeding possibly yeah Yeah. but that's really interesting and gosh that's so fascinating um i used to talk i used to teach uh, communication skills and there's one doctor from Bangladesh who's actually writing a paper for this uh, journal who did a lot of work on training peer, what well, she calls them peer counsellors, peer counsellors in for factory workers in Bangladesh. And, you know, it's just completely different yeah. challenges from how we can imagine it here.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. I bet. Yeah.
2: Gosh, that's <sighs> really Interesting. interesting. And- are you still involved in the APPG for infant themes as well, Anderson? Yes, I still do that. Yes, because because <laughs> I I also do some work for Best Beginnings and the Baby Buddy app. Oh, and that's brilliant! So I, even though I I used to represent the IHV on the APPG, but I'm and Best Beginnings, but now I'm just representing it Best Beginnings. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Look, I it just sounds feel like, like you're even scratching.
0: busier in retirement than you have been well. sort of professional. <laughs> <laughs> if this is retirement Christ knows how busy you were <laughs> yeah. when you were working full well, time
2: it, I've got my own time which yeah. makes a big difference so I you know if I yeah. decide to write my book and stop everything else then um I can do that yeah <laughs> whereas sure oh, I was amazing. working I couldn't Well, you're painting
1: a very nice picture of retirement, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely feel like you have to be a pretty special person before you retire in order to have this retirement. I feel like we've also not scratched the surface, Alison. Like we've had you for an hour already and we've barely (laughs) even touched on all the stuff that you do.
2: It's amazing oh well well it, it's it's my passion, isn't it? It's my passion and i want <laughs> I just wanted to share it with with colleagues, and that's why main yeah. reason for writing the book no, it's fantastic
0: it's fantastic um so your book is available online amazon. It's on amazon I think it's on all of the the big sort of bookshop yeah. um listings and things so um yeah, please. Do go out and um, and have a look at it, buy it, and things. And I'll put the link in the podcast notes. Yeah, it's such a valuable resource. Um, And thank you, Alison, so much for writing it. It's (laughs) amazing. Well, I loved it. (laughs) I
2: loved every Um, minute.
1: Did you have any? Um, I mean. Did you have any last I know this is a sort of a question, and we've had you we've used a lot of your time already, but um was there any other burning things that you thought you wanted to communicate to health visitors that we haven't touched on already or anything that you wanted to mention?
2: Um, no, um I think we've covered most of it. Um, I, I I just feel that health visitors are in a position to normalize breastfeeding across mm. the UK? Mm, Yeah, because uh, I know locally through changing through yes through training, health visitors and midwives, um, we began to normalise breastfeeding. In fact, um, UNICEF Baby Friendly at a conference said the area I worked in was the only area in the UK where breastfeeding was normal.
1: Oh, that's a lovely thing
2: to. Yeah, it was a lovely thing to say and you know it it just makes it you just see breastfeeding in the community in whether it's in supermarkets or um, cafes or whatever women feel free to breastfeed so how Um, do you do that if you're a practitioner how do you do your
1: part in making that normal
2: what does that look like i think i think it was through peer support
1: okay so, so we trained, really
2: we cool. trained about twenty peer supporters every year because you you have to do that because people go back to work and they yeah. change or they move out yeah. of the area, and just doing a, yeah annual peer support training really made a huge difference because mm. those who've trained um, take that knowledge with them mm. and I think it's embodied knowledge they mm. they they actually have it inside them and they they carry that into the workplace with them um support colleagues in the workplace Mm. um at the school gate yeah you know they're going up to pregnant women and saying are you going to breastfeed you know they're already starting you know they're already starting to to sow those seeds and yeah yeah um, i think i think peer support can help to normalize breastfeeding in an area and that's really interesting what you've said about
0: sort of I think so many areas look at it from the point of view of peer support to help with this dropping clinic and only see it like that. Whereas for you to say about well we're looking at training twenty per year with that knowledge that they're yeah. going to be moving on, they're going to be going back to work, but actually they keep that knowledge with them. Yeah. And it is that thing where yeah it's it's that, that having that impact, isn't it? Because although yeah. you've maybe only got five or six working in your dropping clinic you've got this ever-growing community Mm. of people who are bumping into the mums who are seeing them, who are friends with women who are having subsequent babies and things, and, yeah, really building the community. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I still meet,
2: meet up socially with some of the first peer supporters I trained. Yeah. And they, they very proudly tell me about all the people at work they've supported. That's lovely. <laughs> yeah. So even though they're not, you know, working ofi- officially.
1: It's, it's, a, it's wonderful. It's almost like that community level of health visiting, isn't it? You know, that we, we have community, universal, UP, UPP. And I think often the community part gets lost in, in amongst all of the KPIs and the busyness of life and caseloads. Yeah, um, yeah, it's such such yeah. a lovely important part of it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No. Oh, thank you so much. Oh. God, <laughs> it's been wonderful. It's been it's been lovely it's lovely talking to you (laughs) oh yeah no it's
0: amazing and i just it's so lovely having spoken to you now as well i know when i get my hands on the book i'm going to be hearing it in your voice (laughs) um i always find it much easier with books when i've actually heard and seen the person talking and i just i can feel already that your voice is going to be coming through the pages loud and clearly um and yeah and blimey i really hope even is that last point you've made about the peer supporters Mm. um i really hope that that just sends something to someone makes a spark start and um, really helps them think about peer supporters and what benefit it would be in their area um no fantastic thank you so much for your time thank you thank you for your time Um, no thank you have a lovely
1: rest of the day and you oh honestly you've been absolutely wonderful you've been such a lovely guest allison and thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge
0: wow, wow. <laughs> I, I just feel like i'm a bit of an oxytocin high there and that was just chatting to her i know it's um, actually marvelous it's fantastic. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed this and gained a lot from it. Um, as we've mentioned a few times, her book is out. Um, I'm sure we'll be adding links in the blurb. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us, Iamahealthvisitor at gmail.com. You can get hold of us on Instagram and Twitter at Iamahv. Or you can give our Facebook page some love. I am a health visitor on um, Facebook. Um, In the meantime, I hope you're well and hope you stay well in things. Yeah, thank you so much for
1: listening, everyone. I hope that was useful and we look forward to speaking to you again soon.
0: Yeah, take care. Bye for now. Bye.